Look, we all know the Vikings have been so lucky with injuries, but is it all luck? There's a story going around right now that we got to dive into about the Vikings staying healthy. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on everybody welcome 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 to the locked on vikings podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day as always i'm your host your pal and the kid you copied off in math class my name is luke braun you can find me on twitter at luke braun nfl show is on twitter at locked on vikings this show can be found on amazon fire and or roku if you have those just download the locked on minnesota sports app you can find this show as well as all of the other locked on shows concerning various minnesota sports Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day, if I didn't already say that. And it's a mailbag episode. That means it's Twitter Tuesday. And you guys sent me some of your questions. If you have a question, you can always send it to me at Luke Braun NFL or at Locked On Vikings on Twitter or fill out the Google form. That's honestly the best way to get uh, me to see your question because sometimes I'll forget if you just send it to me. But I'll always do my best. You can also send an email to Locked On Vikings podcast at gmail.com. That's a great way too, especially if you have something longer. I've got a bunch of your questions here. The first one comes from Cowabunga Cavtime that says, what's been the key to the Vikings staying as healthy as they have? Pure luck, new trainer, coaches managing snap spell. Well, combination of all. So it's always going to be some level of luck, right? Somebody tears up their knee on turf. That's just always, there's always a chance of anybody doing it. There's a chance you tear your knee up. I knew a guy who, who tore his knee up getting a bowl of cereal once. It just can happen to you. So, there's always going to be luck and the Vikings do not have full control over this ever. And that means you will always have some level of risk that the worst injury ever happens and it ruins your whole season or whatever. But the Vikings have, I think taken steps to improve their odds in that category. We're using probabilistic language here um, for, I think a really good reason. They haven't, prevented injuries they've just lowered their likelihood of them and i think that's a very good thing tyler williams and uriah myrie are the guys that kevin o'connell always shouts out after the game for their contributions and all of that stuff and there's a lot of cool sports science stuff that they have done and um will raggett's wrote a piece at uh sports illustrated that i'll link in the show notes yell at me if i forget is um I, I, about this whole thing and their process and all of that stuff. And there is some stuff that the Vikings have done to make sure that their athletes' bodies are in the proper shape beyond just normal conditioning. I, my favorite example comes from this Miami game, right? You saw the 120-degree heat. It's humid, it's, it's humid. When you are in hot, humid conditions and hydration becomes an issue, you are more susceptible to muscle cramps. And I'm not talking about the kind of cramps that take you off, the, you know, that, that you go down and you look injured, kind of got to go off the game and rehydrate, come back in for a drive kind of cramps. There's also, you know, just like the general muscle strain is, is harder. Your muscles want to tighten up a little bit. And it's the same thing in the cold. So I'm sure they have a plan for when they have to go to Lambeau in January or Soldier Field in January. Um, same thing, but for different reasons. Your, your muscles are a little bit harder to get loose and if your muscles are tighter, they are more susceptible to sprains, strains, muscle tears, you name it. Um, so Kirk Cousins talked about this after the game as well. They had like a hydration schedule. They had they've made a big deal out of this. 
They made sure that they had their athletes hydrating properly, not only on the day, but in the days leading up to game day. Um, You know, you you can't just chug a bunch of water before the game and say my body is hydrated. You have to kind of get your body into a state of good hydration over several days to to be able to withstand that heat in in your muscles. If you don't properly prepare, you're going to be at greater risk for injury to get out of that game without uh, too much injury to uh, be concerned about. That kind of stuff is all over this team, and I do think it has improved their odds. Um, But long way to go. We're not going to be talking about this if Justin Jefferson tears his ACL next week. So, uh, you know, everybody knock on your respective woods. Um, Next question comes from Scolding for Soup. Love that. Who says Vikings fans have criticized Donatel for being too overly conservative on defense. So I'd like to explore whether this criticism is warranted or not. What, what does being more aggressive functionally mean in a scheme that always starts with two high safeties? And would it be smart to be less conservative considering our personnel? Yeah, so that scheme is by its nature a little more conservative because the safeties always start too high. Now, the point of that is a point of deception, right? If your safeties start out the same way all the time, you're not giving the quarterback information pre-snap, but you could have the safeties always start single high and rotate back too if you wanted to, but that's a little riskier. So they do exist in a fairly conservative framework. That's just the world they live in. There's no changing that. You'd have to overhaul and start doing an entirely different scheme, and that's not where we're at. Um However, I do think that they have played a little bit more spot drop instead of zone match. Zone match can be more catastrophic if it gets screwed up. Um, you know, landmark zone, if it gets, it's easier to screw up, but if it gets screwed up, it's a 16-yard catch. If you screw up zone match, you're, you've busted a coverage and it's a 70-yard touchdown. Um, so that's part of it. And I think that, that is, they have gotten more aggressive as time goes on. I do think that there is legitimacy to the criticism of Ed Donatel being more needing to be more aggressive. They've blitzed very seldom. They have only, I brought this up on the Minnesota football party. They blitzed a safety one time. You have Harrison Smith, you have blitzed him once and you've never blitzed Cam Bynum. I think that's a huge mistake. And I think that that should, I, I'm hoping that that gets better as time goes on, as you get a little bit more used to what's going on in the defense and you get a little bit more comfortable with your coverages and stuff. So, you know, you're not going to get like super, super punished on that blitz because someone also busted a more difficult coverage concept on the back end of it. Um, that is part of the, the conservatism thing. What I will say is when it comes to like how far off you play on certain coverages, I have a bunch more questions for you, but first a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp is therapy made easy. I'm a huge fan of therapy. I think everybody who can afford to be in therapy should be seeing a therapist because I don't really see it as like problem solving. I don't see it as a doctor you go to when things are bad or when you feel like you're broken. And a lot of people, especially older people, like the generation above mine and the generation above that, see therapy as this weakness, this failure. I don't see it that way. I see it as maintenance. It's like going to to the gym, but for your emotional intelligence. And I think that's really important. And it can really, I've been in therapy for a couple of years and it has helped me a ton with stuff I didn't even realize was a problem. Um, can't vouch for it enough. Also can't vouch enough for getting your therapist line up, lined up and trying a few. A lot of people will go to a therapist. That therapist isn't right for them. They will assume all therapy is like that and they will never discuss the subject again. Try a few. If you don't like one, move on to the next one. If you don't like one, move on to the next one and better help can help you do that. They've got free consults. You can do it over the phone, video, no video, whatever you're comfortable with. Protect your anonymity if you really want to. Um, that's what's great about the world of therapy. It is truly 
whatever you are comfortable with, and it's all very open to that. So go to betterhelp.com slash locked on, and you can get 10% off of your first month. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. I also want to talk to the small business owners out there. All right, we are in the midst of hiring season. It is autumn. That is when all, a lot of these jobs get filled. So you may be looking for a person. If you do so, you got to put it on LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the place to put your job listing. They have all kinds of tools, screening set, questions, etc., that can help you find the right person for your team. If you've ever been through the hiring process, you know that it becomes very personal to your company and how they work, and finding that right person can be a heck of a slog going through all those resumes. Use all their tools and their gigantic network of millions of people that are on LinkedIn jobs, looking for work, looking for a job maybe like yours. So LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Moving on with this Twitter Tuesday mailbag. Hey, when you're done with this, check out Locked On Sports Today. It's like our, our Locked On flagship show talking about all, it's like our sports center. We talk about everything um, on that. Football, basketball, all sports. It is that time of year. All four major men's sports are happening right now. World Series about to start. Basketball, hockey just got going. And of course, the NFL is there. So big time for that show. Next question on this mailbag go, comes from Nolan, who says, during the offseason, there was a lot of debate over whether Bynum could be a starter for us. You now have a larger sample size, but I haven't heard a thing about him. What, what has he done well this season and what needs improvement? I think Bynum's playing fine. I don't know. There seems to be a little bit. Maybe you got a bad PFF grader and people have opinions now. But <laughs> from what I have seen, he has played. I think he's played a little bit too far back sometimes. But sometimes that's what the coverage calls for, and I don't know this, the coverage rules in enough specificity to be able to say that that's actually a problem with Bynum. So I know that that's a thing, um, and that has led to some bigger, uh, some bigger holes. But if somebody's catching something in front of you, something I, I always think like something went wrong. You can't just say, well, they gave got a 20-yard catch. I didn't do anything wrong right in front of me, right? So I think he's also could break on things a step faster, but I don't think it's like so bad that we need to start talking replacement or anything like that. Not even close. Um, and I think he has been like a, an average to maybe below average starter at the position. Um, in terms of what he has done well, I think he's been assignment sound and that's a lot to ask. I think that's more than you could have gotten out of scene. That's more than you can get out of Josh Metellus. And he has actually made a few plays that he didn't necessarily get credit for. He was the one who made the hit on Jalen Waddle in that diving Harrison Smith interception. Harrison Smith and Eric Kendricks got a lot of credit for that, but Cam Bynum was the one who hit Jalen Waddle and that got the ball popped up. Now, Waddle also dropped it and it wouldn't probably wouldn't have happened without that, but Bynum has made a few pretty good plays there. He's made a few pretty awesome run fits. He made a huge third and one stop in one of these games. Um, so I think there is a, a little bit of a playmaker gene there that is pretty fun. Um, I think he just needs to get a little bit more sound and a little bit more confident so that he can break on stuff faster and not feel like he has to back off so deep sometimes to be so worried about the uh, the deep ball. I am also basing a lot of this off of the last game I watched, which was Miami, which was against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And I'm sure the safeties all got to note, hey, these guys are fast. Maybe you could give them five extra yards of cushion. That's not that bad a thing. Um Everybody's going to deal with that against those guys. And that won't necessarily be true of future opponents. 
Waka Waka says the Vikings lost a lot of contain against Teddy last week. Who is at fault and how can they prevent Kyler from doing the same? So of all the problems on the defense, I think this is the, the one that's the most genuinely poor execution. You know, sometimes it's, ah, the scheme's just getting to them. Sometimes it's, ah, they had the right play call. Sometimes the pass rush isn't necessarily someone's fault. It might be uh, a more hit. This is, the, they're just straight up bad at this. They just suck at it. <laughs> they're not, they're doing stuff they're not supposed to. Um, the individual play, like that, it, the, the cause has to be play by play, but they mess this up a lot. Um, in terms of who's supposed to be outside, who's supposed to be inside. Um, you'll have somebody, you know, if you're an, an edge rusher, sometimes you're just supposed to be outside the tackle, always be outside the tackle so that he can't, you know, roll out to your side because something else is going to happen in your pass rush. Four-man rushes, even four-man rushes without stunts, just straight-up four-man rushes, are still designed that way. There's a way you're supposed to go, and it's it's not uncommon to have your job be, okay, beat the guard, you know, just go get him. But especially against mobile quarterbacks, those those rules become really important because you have to choke off the, the escape lanes. And quarterbacks, you know, smart quarterbacks forget mobile. So if Teddy can find it, he ain't, he is not a mobile quarterback. Um, he can, if he can find that lane, other guys can. I am extremely worried about this with, with Kyler Murray because I think the Vikings are just bad at it. And I think to fix it, they have to fix a lot of different individual problems. Um, and I don't think that's the kind of thing you can kind of like fix overnight. I think it's going to be a problem for him all year. Ryan asks, if you had to choose one of the two options, pull a trade deadline acquisition for agency counts to fill a role for this year's run or push the record through six games to next season in year two of this regime and retooling, which would you choose? So to put that another way, would you either take a big trade deadline acquisition, call it Odell Beckham, uh, since I did a whole show on that, or you get a five and one start next year. I'm taking the five and one start year uh, next year every single time. Odell Beckham, I think he adds some value to these Vikings, but he's not going to add five wins of value. And just because those five wins are in next year makes them no less valuable. So I'm taking the five wins every single time. Unless I've misunderstood your question, this this is I'm taking this with a bullet. This is a pretty easy one for me. Uh, the Big Herman says you are given emergency GM powers today with the goal of getting to the Super Bowl in the next three years. You can pick one of the three following situations, Chicago, Detroit, Green Bay. You have between now and the end of the 2025 season, which roster gives you the best chance to win? Who oh boy. <laughs> this is a little harder than I thought. Green Bay is in such a weird spot with Aaron Rodgers right now, and I kind of feel like he's going to retire and leave you with a terrible dead cap hit for two of the, the three years that you gave me. Um that that's the way it will he'll, you'll take if, if Aaron Rodgers retires the best the Packers can do. And Aaron Rodgers has to agree to some of this is 40 million over the next two years in dead cat um, spread. I think like 18 and 22 or something like that. It's a rough time for that. The bears are in hell. It's definitely not the bears. It's either the Packers or lions. Um, I like the lions that, that the talent that the lions have acquired over the last couple of years. I, Okuda seems to be, coming along and, and putting something together. I like Panay Sewell now. You know, some of these younger players had rough starts, but they're pulling something together. I really like Malcolm Rodriguez. He's playing like a rookie, but he's playing like a promising one. They just need a quarterback, but so would Green Bay. So everybody needs a quarterback. And Green Bay's going to be in a rough-ish cap spot. The question is, do I like the talent of Green Bay better than the talent of Detroit? And it's close. But don't forget, you know, the Jair Alexanders of the world. And Rashawn Gary is putting something together. 
Um, I, I really don't like Aiden Hutchinson. I like didn't love him in the draft, and I like him less seeing him play in the NFL. <sighs> it's a toss-up, I think. I'm going to go with the Packers. I think they have a little bit more established talent, but it's very close with the Lions. A few more questions to get to here, uh, but first things first, let me talk to you about prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five of your favorite players and it's just you against the house. This is not the daily fantasy that you are used to where you're picking entire rosters and you got to join a, a pool of 6,000 people. It's just you against the house. Prize picks has a projection. You can pick as many players as you want and will they beat that projection? You can win up to 10 times your money if you're right about all of it. And right now, if you go to prizepicks.com or download the app from the Google Play or App Store, you can get a 100% deposit match on your first deposit up to 100 bucks. So if you put in 100 bucks as part of your first deposit, you get 100 bucks back. Put in 50, get 50, and so on. That is promo code locked on at prizepicks.com or downloading the Prize Picks app. Hey, if you like my content and you want something a little more visual or if you just want to support me directly, you can join me on Patreon, patreon.com slash NFL. I will be doing stuff on the Saints game this week because I was out of town for when I would usually be doing the tape on that game. So we're kind of rewinding a couple weeks and we're going to go over some of the stuff that interested me on that game, in-depth film breakdown stuff. Uh, you can also find a seven-part documentary on the entire history of the Vikings on my Patreon that I did over the offseason, as well as some scattered thoughts from time to time. But we are moving on with this Twitter Tuesday mailbag. Next one comes from CJ2K, who says, do you think many of the vets having quote-unquote down years is more due to the scheming of Donatel or just more due to the transition to the 3-4 front? I'm like pretty confident that it's transition. Um, Some of it is, I, I think, not the best way to use guys. Like Harrison Smith isn't blitzing. So of course he's going to have less impact. He's like on the roof all the time and they can just like not throw to him. He won't have any impact. Um, it makes it really easy to neutralize a weapon like that on defense, which I think is a mistake. Um, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. I think I just kind of disagree with that in terms of Harrison Smith. And and I actually will probably advocate for trading him to somebody that's going to use him better because I think honestly liquidating him and turning him into an asset is going to do you more good than putting him on the roof and just having him play like he's any other safety, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Same thing with the Neil Hunter. He's rushing out of a two point stance a lot. He's rushing from different alignments a lot. That's new for him. Um, so there is some transition to it, but I also think it limits his explosiveness in a way that might be a little bit more permanent. Eric Kendricks, I think is struggling a lot. And I think that is all him getting used to stuff. I think he will stop struggling eventually. And he has begun to make more plays over the last few few weeks and make fewer mistakes over the last few weeks. So I'm pretty confident that it's mostly transition, although there is some schematic stuff. Um, but it's it's a lot more just not lining up correctly, not getting to the right spots, making mistakes, being slow to things now. It's less I went to the wrong spot. Now it's I went to the right spot, but I was a little bit slow about it. Um, and I, I still see it improving a little every week, even uh, last week when everybody was so mad that Teddy Bridgewater put up like 350 yards on him. I saw fewer mistakes and I saw a lot of that was garbage time and that and and like a few specific plays like I saw fewer mistakes and I'm still encouraged by the incremental improvements. Omar asks, what about this offense? Can we take away from Kirk Cousins leading the NFL in play action pass attempts? O'Connell is hoping to replicate the Cousins pass success with it or is it just a wrinkle in the scheme? I mean, it's a McVay scheme, man. This is 2018 McVay. Live in 11 personnel, run play action all the time. This is what got Jared Goff to the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, it's it's very similar to a lot of that and it's a lot of those same concepts, but 
it's also, I think, just a good idea with Kirk Cousins. And I also was pretty wrong about that. I, I was reading the tea leaves from some of Kevin O'Connell's conversations in Washington when he was there, the Case Keenum year in Washington. And then I think it was Dwayne Haskins for the last, for the back half of that year. Um, and he talked about, you know, using short passes to set up other passes. And I kind of thought he, I was like, is he going to be a play action guy? He is a play action guy. I was just wrong. Um, so I do think that that's just a philosophical thing. But that's the McVay scheme. That's part of why it's so in vogue right now is because play action is good. They use a lot of it. Theo asks a broader version of the question about me being wrong about Kevin O'Connell. He says, when the Vikings head coaching candidates were down to O'Connell, Morris, Graham, and Ryans, you did a ranking of those four that had O'Connell last in regards to your preference. I felt quite similarly. Do you think through six weeks he's made you alter any of your prior opinions of him? Um, for sure. And that isn't was never going to be hard. Um, uh, when I had, when I did that, I was not nearly as confident, like I was not very confident, uh, as I would be about like other preseason stuff. Like I was very confident in, you know what? The defense is going to struggle to start because they're going to be getting stuff down. I was very, that was very clearly going to happen to me. For me, the head coaches, I could only get so much information about them, you know, and GMs was even harder. You can only get what you can read in articles, what you can pull out of tea leaves and stuff. Um, so I was, I, I did the, the, the ranking, but I was trying to be very clear. Like there's a lot of guesswork in this and I was kind of relying on a lot of guesswork and that's okay. I was okay with that as long as you're upfront about it. Right. Um, but that makes it really easy to come off and be like, well, my guesswork take said this, but now that I've actually watched him, here's my opinion of O'Connell. And that more salient opinion is definitely still developing. I've got, hey, there's some weird clock management stuff that happens sometimes. There's also weird fourth down decisions. I thought he'd be more aggressive on that. He's running more play action than I thought. And that's all still sort of like coalescing. Um, and at the end of the season, I will be able to kind of put together a way better take on Kevin O'Connell, like a way better summary of who he is as a coach than I could going basically off of educated guesses 100% of the way for sure. And yeah, that's going to end up being more positive. Love to see it. Uh, Jamez Quits asks, how do you feel about our rookie class so far? I know a lot of them have not contributed on offense and defense, but are we happy with their development or roles or projections? <sighs> it's hard because they've been hurt. Andrew Boos spent most of the season hurt. Now Lewis Seen's hurt. Asamoah is getting in earlier than I thought based on preseason. When I saw him on preseason, I mean, he just was super YOLO. He was playing totally fast and loose, total loose cannon, and emphasis on the cannon. It was really cool when he would make a play, but he would run himself out of the play a lot. And that's the kind of stuff that if I were coaching someone, I need to make sure that they're going to go where the, the run fit tells them to go. Because if they don't, that's how you give up 70-yard runs, is when somebody fits it the wrong way. Um, like, that, that can be catastrophic. I would rather have you be slow and to the right place than fast and out of the play, right? Um, and so I was not very comfortable with seeing him on the field. He has seen the field, which means he has come along, in my opinion. That means he's come along faster than I thought, so that's nice. Um, Ed Ingram, playing like a rookie. I, I, I'm not too happy with him, and, and what concerns me with him is that it's not one thing over and over again. Sometimes he splits wrong. Sometimes he oversets. Sometimes he gets caught lunging. There's a lot of problems um, and those problems need to get fixed. Now, O-line tends, that tends to happen, right? That you, you kind of need to give those guys two years to, to figure it out. And, and O-line is sort of notorious for suddenly a guy who was bad for two years being good in year three. Um, so a lot of patience there, but that is still, I, I would say I'm like moderately concerned, 
Um, seeing a Caleb Evans get in the game at all, that's pretty great. Um, you know, fourth round rookie, you don't usually see a lot of contribution from that. And then all, all the rest of the day three guys, you just sort of hoped they made the team, which sure, some of them did, some of them didn't, whatever. Jalen Naylor caught a pass on a fake punt. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Ryder Jensen asks, why do people, get, I love this question. He asks, why do people get more upset with the NFL than our legal system when players have disturbing behavior? The NFL has its own boss, their sponsors. Remember when the Vikings were going to let Peterson play, but started losing sponsors and all of a sudden Peterson's on Goodell's list. I agree with this a lot. Um, more details have come out about Ole Udo's uh, arrest. I'll, I'll link those in the show notes, but I'm still not going to cast any judgment on them because it's still not sufficient for me to feel like I have a great sense for what happened there. Um, but, uh, and yell at me if I forget, cause I'm so bad at remembering, <laughs> put things in the show notes. Uh, but when it comes to something like Ed Ingram or like Deshaun Watson's the big one, right? Let's just do the sh- sh- Deshaun Watson. When it comes to stuff like that, the legal system, I think it's a cynicism because the legal system is simply inadequate to deal with cases of like sexual harassment because they're almost always he said, she said. There's very rarely evidence for those kinds of crimes. And I use the word harassment. What what Deshaun Watson did, if those allegations are true, I must say, uh, is heinous and is a genuine crime. Like that is criminal thing. But there's never going to be any evidence for it. It's always going to be he said, she said. And while he said, she said isn't a non-starter that people have been convicted on, he said, she said, it's very difficult. And the legal system isn't really equipped to hand out proper justice there. They're always going to err on the side of innocence. And it's designed, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Um, And so in the court of public opinion, which is kind of where we exist, right? We're not lawyers, you and I. Maybe you're a lawyer. I don't know. I don't know you. But (laughs) I certainly am not. Um, and so the court of public opinion is where a lot of this discussion exists. And in the court of public opinion, innocent until proven guilty isn't as important of a principle. Maybe you think it should be, but it isn't. And look, when it's, I decide I don't like the Browns because they signed this guy, those stakes are low enough where innocent until proven guilty is not something that I feel is, is as important versus when the stakes are this guy could go to jail for the rest of his life then okay yeah then let's like err on the side of not doing that if we're not sure because that's a bigger deal but if it's he's gonna get some mean tweets whatever but way less of a big deal right um but i think it's because the legal system is so inadequate when it comes to parsing out those sorts of situations um the nfl is so public facing that they become the moral arbiters of justice And I say every time something like this comes up, do not let the NFL be your moral arbiter of justice. Do not put your faith in a business that you're right, has sponsors and a bottom line. It is a for-profit deal. The NFL is not a a moral compass. The NFL is a for-profit company that creates an entertainment product and wants to maximize their profit off of that. Um, That's always going to be number one. And that means that they are going to handle PR like any company handle handles PR. They're going to do what they think will get the most positive media, not what they think is right. Always. Uh, that's as good a note as any to end this particular episode of the Locked on Vikings podcast. I will talk to you all tomorrow. We've got a cool guest coming on tomorrow, so that'll be pretty fun. And then we're right back into the swing of things. We will talk to Alex Clancy of Locked on Cardinals. 
uh, at the end of the week, I'll ask him about the new Modern Warfare multiplayer and to see if he has found Kyler Murray on there yet. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, Skull.